Hey everybody, welcome back to another exciting episode of What's Crackin'? It's me, Jim Phoenix. Grandma's cooking. Who cares? Actually, no. This is an invasion as I, J.M. Brannick, control the airwaves today instead of Jim Phoenix. That's right. And friends, today I'm, I'm furious. I'm furious to be here because that means I have to talk once again about hashtag Chad Gets the Axe. And if you look at my reviews from NightmarishConjurings.com, the Deadstream episode of Stream and Demons that I did, episode 48, you know, no big deal. And also my newest uh, kind of like teaser on Haunted MTL, you'll find out why I'm so angry. Uh, but thankfully, before you do all that, here with me to help me process my feelings and get back on track is writer, co-writer, director, co-editor, Travis Bible, here to kind of talk about I'm, everything. I'm here, and I'm here to help you. I can be kind of a therapist and help you Thank work you. through this anger at, um, at Chad. Um, Thank you. you. Know, it's really, it really is really hard right now. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So I want you, can you first kind of tell us about yourself and how you got into the film industry? Uh, sure. Um, I went to film school at University of Texas. And um, like most film school graduates, you assume you're just going to move out to Los Angeles and be handed, you know, $10 million to direct a film. And that didn't immediately happen. So I actually got really involved in unscripted stuff, um, some reality, some documentary stuff, and um, did a lot of stuff for MTV, which I really enjoyed. And it's a lot of fun to do um, some of the shows for, for them. And then I kind of um, pivoted back, I guess, six or seven years ago and started getting back more into um, to scripted stuff and mainly genre stuff like sci-fi and uh, and horror and just kind of shooting out on the side and I had some luck. I had a sci-fi film exit strategy that played at Tribeca and that was really awesome and has done really well. And yeah, um, Chad Gets the Axe was a definite um, pivot from that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's still a, still a story, but um yeah, I think uh, I think I've gotten more into horror films uh, recently. The last few years with uh, with Chad gets the axe and some other stuff I'm working on. Yeah, because Chad gets the axe was a short film first, uh, an award winning short film, if I recall correctly. Um, yeah. What what kind of like made you pivot into making it a feature film? Um, we felt there was more to t like. We did the short, which was super fun, um, and just so brief you know it was like a day and a half shoot or whatever um and you know it played really well like we weren't sure i wrote the short script and we shot it and we knew like we had some decent kind of found footage scares and me and the um producer mike nicholas were writing all the comments and we kind of were like is this funny is this like we're giggling but you know what i mean but like i don't know and then <laughs> yeah from here to scream fest and it got all these laughs as well as the scares and it it did well and got, you know, Vimeo staff pick and some other nice things. And so that really gave me the confidence, like, okay, I think there's, there's something here. And so then it was figuring out how to develop that into a feature. And, um, you're pretty, I'll, I'll get into the weeds with you. Cause I think you might be a little, uh, <laughs> and we can cut out whatever, but the original idea was we had just seen, um, have you seen Bandersnatch, the, uh, interactive black mirror film? Yes. So yeah. I watched that and I'm like, dude, this, this is the future. It's all going to be choose your own adventure. 
So um, me and um, the uh, co-writer, Kimberton Hargrove, uh, put together a pitch packet and literally did a decision tree. And the idea was you had four influencers. You could swap streams between them so that you could go at any time between the streams. You would impact their choices by you would decide what the comments are saying. So it's like, it's not like an act of God. It's more like these influencers want to impress their audience and you're kind of controlling the audience. And so it was like a really crazy choose your own adventure. And we had a bunch of meetings and pitched it around and everyone was like, this is so cool. We don't do this, but it's really cool. If it, if it ends up somewhere, we'd like to watch it. And so we kind of went back to the drawing board, but it was super helpful to have kind of envisioned it that way. Cause that's where I knew going back to the future, I'm like, Cameron, this needs to be like going between these four streamers, um, you know, and we need to keep, even though it's, not technically interactive anymore. We want to kind of keep that feeling like you're almost one of the, um, the audience. So that's kind of where we, um, we landed when we were developing the feature. And you really did that really well because what I noticed watching it a lot of times to the point <laughs> where the screener is like, okay, you've had too many. And so I had to buy it. Um, <laughs> you, you never actually see them. It never pulls away. You're always seeing them on a screen or doing something on the screen. You never actually pull away to see them like behind the camera, like say, you know, later which two comes to mind, but um, you never actually see them as anything else but these influencers, really. And that, that was kind of immersive, I think, for everybody when they see that, um, especially yeah, really with everything going on. For sure. We wanted to keep it from that, um, that perspective the whole, whole time. Um, you know, and, uh, it, it was interesting to take that approach. Uh, one of the actors was even not sure about it until we're actually shooting. I think they, I'm, I'm not going to say which supporting or main character it was, but they were a little surprised. They actually thought we were shooting on normal, um, you know, Alexa's or something and the phones were more props and like, it's like, well, no, it's all from the phone. So that was, that was a surprise even for um, some people on set, but yeah, we wanted to keep them in the, uh, in the moment, the um, entire time and kind of keep you there. And then we wanted to, for the feature, since we have the time to incorporate, uh, what's it called? Like screen life, you know, that unfriended um, searching, missing um, thing and kind of keep, keep with that. But yeah, the whole time it's like you are, um, you are in the character's perspective and, um, you know, it was a little tricky because then you still want to feel for these characters a little. So it's like figuring out where you can, can cheat that in. And I think some of the screen life stuff probably helped with that. Now, and, and check it's the X is part of like this emerging subgenre of horror. That's like instant found footage. So you were saying that basically um, it was Black Mirror that kind of started you on that path, but what kind of really directed you towards that? Like, okay, we're going to do about streaming. Well, that is uh, in my head and partially it was because I have worked on some uh, reality television unscripted stuff. I thought even in the early mid 2000s, I'm like, it would be cool if someone went on a reality show to like a haunted location and it all goes wrong. I was kicking around the idea in my head and then um, I saw, have you seen Grave Encounters? Yes, yes. <laughs> Great movie. I saw that and I'm like, all right, they nailed this. Like, that's not quite. And, and, and that kind of put the idea aside. I'm like, Grave Encounters, like, brilliant. Um, love it. And um, I still wanted to do kind of like how a, a Blair Witch type 
thing. And it's like, how do you do that in 2019 or, you know, with the feature 2021, 2022? And it just seemed like streamers were the answer. And, you know, I love Blair Witch originally, but one thing interesting about Blair Witch, and I think I remember an interview with directors saying this, is that they had to justify, I think it was Heather, is that the lead character? I think she had to justify why am I filming a lot, like the whole time. Like, it's the only thing I have. I'm still, why are you filming? I have to keep, and it's kind of like, Today, I think with Chad, I was like, I don't think we need, there is some reasoning in the film, but I, I didn't do overkill because I kind of feel like if you put four influencers in that situation, unless it's direct peril to them, they would probably try to film and get as much content out of it. And I think that's a very sadly believable part of this, this story is that they probably would keep filming. Absolutely. I think one of my favorite parts without spoiling too much is when, um, Jennifer of Spenifer um, says, we have to go back. They're getting more views than we are. We're boring, you know? And I thought that was really great tape because I, I laughed out loud at that part because at first you think, oh, it's going to be because to go save her friends. No, it's because they're getting more views than she no. is. And uh, no. that kind of leads into that. <laughs> No, I thought that was that was great. And Tanisha did such a good job with that um that character. We kind of worked together to make sure that um I mean she's probably the, her character is probably the best person, but we both didn't want her we wanted her to be strong and assertive, but at the same time like she's not that much better morally than the rest of them, so we wanted to keep that at the the forefront with that character and she did um she did such a good job and um not to get too spoily, but I was so happy with everybody. It sucked when um, inevitably people are getting picked off. It's like, oh man, I want to spend more time with this character, you know? And uh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I was kind of hoping that with kind of Spencer too, because we don't get to see as much with him. Um, we get to see a lot more with, you know, Chad and Spicy Steve and their dynamic. Um, when you were coming up with kind of their dynamic, was there anything you were kind of basing it off or um, with spicy Steve and Chad? Yeah. We wanted, you know, it's interesting. So with spicy Steve, um, we had the character even more like wide eyed, innocent country boy um, in the script. And then Michael Benini submitted a tape reading for a toxic frat guy. And I could tell he could do more. So I'm like, Hey dude, do you want to read for the um, part of his, spicy steve and he um did a great job with that and uh the dynamic with there we wanted um michael and i worked together to kind of get it to a point where it's like chad is clearly the alpha and spicy steve is the one kind of trying it but he he doesn't really believe this and that that was kind of a a part we were trying to to hit so i i don't know quite if the dynamics fully based that dynamic is based on exact influencers but we definitely wanted to make sure Spicy Steve wasn't just Chad 2.0. Like we wanted, you know, um, someone to actually feel bad. And, you know, I think, I think pretty consistently not to get too spoilery, but anyone who um, has a character arc and realizes like, Oh, maybe what we're doing is messed up. Unfortunately, they're not rewarded very well in this, uh, this movie. So. It's a fun ride though. It's a fun ride. Mm -hmm. Um. So that kind of actually goes into one of my questions is um, the writing is so funny and so on point. How much of it was written and how much of it was improvised by the characters, by the actors? 
as a director, I'm like totally open to improv. So that is something we worked with, but it was relatively tightly scripted. And then they kind of were able to kind of put it in their own words, or if they wanted to go improv off and stuff, they could, or when they're just one, like exploring the house and stuff, I was like, you guys just need to do some pocket dialogue. Let's see what we can, what we can do. So it was kind of a mix, but I think some people, and this is a testament to how fucking great my, the actors were. I think some people are like, Oh, this whole thing improv. It's like, it was, it was pretty mapped out. Um, like I said, that being said, it was, I'm, I'm old elder millennial. So I kind of knew I was kind of relying on my cast and some, I can get into the, some weird research I did on TikTok. We'll put that, put, put in that for now, but. Oh, um, oh yeah. I have a question I was, about that too. <laughs> I was kind of relying on my cast to make sure um, that they were talking correctly. And for instance, um, Cam who played Spencer, super talented um, actor, hilarious. Uh, but anyway, I think we had like, of course is like, you know, okay. And he's like, just say bet. And I'm like, what, what are you betting me on? It's like, no dude, that's what he said. I'm like, can you tell like terrific. All right. So like uh, things like that, that kind of, kind of helped. And um, we, we kind of looked at the the dialogue and stuff, but yeah, it was, it was relatively tightly scripted, but there was, I, I definitely had room for, for improv and, you know, we played around with each scene and um, definitely went through them all before, um, before shooting to make sure it sounded natural it was one of those things where it's more important for the dialogue to sound natural than to be good if you i, mean, I don't think it's like poorly written i'm not that but you know what i mean like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like no. you almost don't want like aaron sorkin level like you know perfect dialogue because then it kind of undermines like who these influencers are and you know buying in that they're real influencers and it's very authentic and cohesive you know especially with the merchandise with the um you know, the promos that they give out, everything like that, you know, they'll be in a, a really, let's say a sticky situation. And then it's like, okay, well, let's, let's promo this or let's, you know, which I, I think is, was really hilarious as well. Yeah. Um, so the acting was really amazing. Like you said, um, how did you go about like with casting for the characters and how did the actors enhance what you already had written? Um, well, so like like we mentioned, it started with a short and we had a few, quite a few people read just for that, for the, the short. And um, there was some good people, but they are embodying kind of your, your stereotypical influencer. There's a lot of people just directly channeling Logan Paul, which there's some Paul brothers in this chat for sure. Um, it doesn't take that much to detect that, but it's not, it's not supposed to be like, another Paul brother. It's, it's like, it hits his own thing. It's a combination. And, and honestly, those actors weren't quite hitting the, um, emotional, the part where you actually feel bad for him is a little too much. Like I'm a hundred percent on board just to cheer for this dude to get the ax. And then Spencer came in red and did a great job, especially with, um, you know, some of the more parts where it's a little more sympathetic to him, but he wasn't quite hitting like the douchebag factor. So, but I wanted to go with him. So I like literally called him up. I'm like, Hey, can you do one more read and just be the biggest asshole douchebag you've ever been? And then I think he walked around his pool or something and recorded like this, the douchiest read ever. I'm like, all right, we got him. And so it was awesome having already done the short, having already worked with him. Um, the short was actually in a way harder to shoot than the feature because I, in the short, one thing I learned in my head, I was like, 
this needs to look like one continuous take. And when we were shooting the short TikTok and Instagram, you couldn't hit a button and flip the phone to POV mode, you know? Oh, and okay. So I made Spencer manually flip the phone. So we couldn't even use that as a cut point. So he's oh, having no. to shoot this short. Like when he sees the dead body, it's not like, okay, your take's done. It's like, no, man, you got to flip your phone around. So we're doing a four or five minute take. So he got so good at that stuff. And, um, you know, it would, um, I'll jump ahead a little. This was on the short and then all the actor, actors got used to it. They would do on the feature as well. They would have to do these long takes and um, they'd nail the performance and it'd be so good. And I'd be like, so yeah, your performance was perfect, but you didn't quite pan right um, on this one shot and you need to, you know, pan here and you didn't get the house enough in frame. So I'd have to give them camera notes um, as well that they had to do, but they were all, all game. Um, but yeah, back to it. So we had Spencer. So that made me feel really good about the, um, the feature. I think I mentioned, you know, Michael initially applied for toxic frat guy. Um, Cam we found and was just, he was just head and shoulders, but he was exactly what we were looking for. He got the part. He, he understood it. Um, and once again, he was so good. I wish, you know, there, there could have been more of him for sure. And then Tanisha, it was harder to get, uh, Jennifer, um, that part was trickier. Right? quite a lot of people, but they weren't quite hitting it. And Spencer was like, I've worked with someone. Let me have her read. And then she read and just completely did an amazing job with that as well. So they all enhanced it. They all, one thing cool about it that I didn't even quite realize that we were, we were shooting is that they all can have their own style of shooting their own, um, of, of, of when they're shooting. And, um, one thing we noticed we shot a lot with Michael and Spencer, um, or especially uh, Michael at first holding it and doing his thing. And then when um, Tanisha was holding the camera, I'm like, wow, your composition and stuff is so much steadier and better than the boys. Like, so it's just funny that each character kind of had a style for how they were shooting, which was, which was kind of cool too. So yeah, it, it worked out and I, it did, we we're working. I, I brought on my um, director of photography, Rob Sinska, who I worked with tons, super talented guy, but it, it it got to him a little because you know he, he wanted to, to hold the camera and i'm like you know there's there's parts where he did get to, and he loved those days but yeah he had to we had to just kind of work with it and i'm like it has to you know it's got to be them and kind of work with it from there but um yeah i think the actress did an amazing job both you know and like again not just acting but also having to you know kind of shoot themselves so they did a great great work yeah, and it was it was like I said, very cohesive with the story as well. Because that's that's a lot of cooks in the kitchen to have to kind of wrangle together and to make sure that they get the perfect shots and make sure it's not too fast, you know, or yeah. or something like that. And um, it's working with because they didn't. I don't know if any of them quite got it complete because even Spencer kind of obviously he was in the short, but they didn't quite understand the screen life going in between. You know, I explained it as best as possible and they mostly got it but yeah it was like it, it was they they did great without knowing for sure what it, how exactly this was all gonna turn out with all the stuff on the phones and stuff did they have like an aha moment when they finally saw like the the finished product i think so i think um i think yeah tenacia and stuff like she she was acting her heart out and doing an amazing job, but I don't think she quite understand the crazy vision I had in my head for like switching back between the door. And now you're going to take Instagram pictures of yourself and it's going to mark like cute that like, I'm like, but if with the Instagram, but I'm like, just here, yeah, we're just going to take some, we'll do it. So I think, 
I think um, I think they're all happy when they they saw that it was all put together because you know I could have just been talking on my ass and it might have just been a disaster. Um, but luckily, yeah, luckily it wasn't, and all the I think the screen left stuff really came together. Um, so I also wanted to talk about. Um, so the social media aspect is obviously like such a backbone to the movie. Um, what kind of research or process did you have to make the social media aspect so authentic? I have a couple of good stories for that. I'll start with one was like, cause I did want to make it authentic or the movie I think would just sink. So I um, created a TikTok account and joined TikTok and was literally trying to follow your, because actually, the Paul brothers have actually moved on to boxing. So it's like finding new people anyway, like that are, um, you know, in 2020, 2021. So finding those younger influencers, learning how TikTok works, to be honest, because I wasn't familiar with it in like 2020. And um, so I'm joining, trying to follow all these younger people. And I didn't understand how the live chats worked. And I initially just created it for my Facebook. So it has like my first and last name. And there's a group like pre-partying. Um, I think they were freshmen in college or something. And they were literally saying like, um, you know, no cap and like saying like, uh, you know, Gen Z slang and stuff. And I'm like, this is perfect. I'm just going to join and watch this. So I'm kind of watching their pre-party kind of taking notes. And about three minutes in, they're like, it's only 15 of them. Bear in mind. It's not like a giant group. I'm like, who is Travis Bible? And I'm like, and they're like, yeah, what's this face? Is this, is this guy old? And I'm like, holy shit. And I didn't realize so like I immediately had to sign out. And um, yeah, I learned from there. I just definitely did not luckily get any calls from the police for stalking um, 18 year olds. But yeah, it was like, uh, it's a good lesson that yeah, your TikTok live feed, I guess they can can see who you are. But um, anyway, that, that was important. So we did kind of, you know, learn, I tried to learn a lot from there what people were actually doing. And then once we did put the movie together, we did a, a test screening with just young people like, um, which is interesting. We didn't actually end up doing one with a bigger, we, we did send it in the link individually to get notes from a fair amount of people, but the test screening, it was just really important to me to make sure that all these comments and stuff were working. And so we had, um, yeah, pretty much college people. Um, Spencer's younger brother organized and got us a bunch. Then other, um, PA I'd worked with and Louisiana got a bunch of LSU sorority girls to watch it. So, you know, like a very young crowd and yeah, it was a giant load off my back when they watched it and were like the, um, they thought it was all authentic, which was good. But then you get like a note, one thing that Spencer's little brother, um, told me, he's like, it was good, but like, I feel like there'd be more pervy stuff like show feet. And I'm like, what is what is show feet? And he's like, well, it's kind of awkward, but you know, it's just a thing people say to, and I'm like, I love that. I'm making that a uh, prominent feature in this now. And um, so I'm being a dick and giving Spencer's little brother credit for uh, show feet as much as possible. And all. all that's podcasts. amazing. That's amazing. Cause that was one of the original notes that I took too. Um, no, it was, I'm glad people like, cause that was just a, like, I don't know. And my wife and I are giggling over the name Peter PP, you know, like, Cause there's like some higher level, hopefully social commentary going on with some of the comments, but it's some, it's like, no, you just gotta, it, and it's getting Honestly, the, different- it, was genius. it was really genius. Like all of the characters. Uh, I loved the professor, I think the oh, most and his yeeting, you know, like that was- Dude, trying to, yeah, we wanted, we wanted that. And we, you know, it's just getting different voices and that's something too. Um, 
for the first pass, Camerton, um, the co-writer and producer, um, super talented guy. Um, he wrote some pass of, you know, of, of some of the comments. And, um, I was like, yeah, these are good, but these all are like all witty, all smart, all, you know, punctuated correctly. I'm like, you need to go back. And that hurt his soul. Like he had to go back and like, I'm like, watch some more TikTok, And I want you to write like, you know, bad grammar. Like you're not this intelligent, witty guy you are. And so he, he got into it and started. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was our goal to kind of have different voices going on in the chat. And I think that helps with the all authenticity of it all. And, um, have a mix of people and um, don't be wrong. It was a pain. It was 1300 comments, but we had to track wow. usernames and anyone that talked again. And there's probably, if you look at the storylines, you know, you have your A and B going on screen, but there's like a CDE going on. That was kind of my, my goal of what, you know, there's, there's a conversation on what defines a spoiler in there, you know, like just like little things that we tried to have go on in the, the chat. And so, yeah, that was super fun. Yeah. How many characters were there, do you think? I would say, I don't know, because each username was unique. Um, another funny thing, Kimmerton was coming up with some usernames and we were at Fright Fest. And I'm like, is that username your Netflix password? And he's like, oh, crap. So we had to like change that. <laughs> so he had just zoned out because we probably have hundreds of usernames. Um, uh that we were doing actual characters probably 10 to 15. Cause there is, you know, there's the bigger ones like the Benson brothers, murder Maven, the true crime podcaster, uh, Evans, the, yeah, the teacher who doesn't understand yeet two people are going over spoilers, Chad PN, who's like a hero, the frat guys. If you notice, actually they do make an appearance in the chat earlier before they pick, pick him oh, up. Um, so I'll have to so go back a lot and see of, for that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of levels. If you're There's into, a lot yeah. of levels, yeah, and I I really liked uh, the murder maven too. So, um, real quick on that one, yeah. that was also a we had a couple lines from her, but that is one thing the Gen Z test screening, if you will, they're like a couple of them are like we like this, but we really want to know more about the satanic cult, and you know, on screen there's not tons about it. So in a normal movie, you'd be like, well sorry guys, that's not an option, but I'm like, well, we have comments. And so I went through and did a whole pass with murder Maven and made her a much bigger character kind of explaining the satanic cult. While also it, it, it fed in thematically with it that at first, maybe you think she's like someone helpful, but no, she's just like a true crime podcaster being like, this is great here. Maybe you'll be a new body for, you know, like, so that was a, a fun character, but yeah, the, um, her expanded role was because of some, some notes from the, um, test screening. So I'm so glad we did that. I am too, because it also, um, and I guess this is a little spoilery, but, uh, it also creates a red herring as well. Cause, um, that was kind of like my thought of like, Oh, this is somebody who's, you know, partaking in, in this and also stalking them or something like that, you know? And, yeah. And she was just, she was her own character. And I, I thought that was really interesting as well. Were you, um, the first time at least, did you find yourself reading or watching more when you were watching it down? You know, I think I was watching more, but then I started getting little hints and pickups of like, oh, oh, they're talking about something that is important. And I think that's, um, I had, I had seen another, uh, 
critic that had said it was very distracting. But to me, that's rewatchability. You know, there's a reason why I've watched it five times, because I can find something that's a little bit different with each viewing that you find. And I think that enhances it rather than distracts from it. If you're like going into it, just being like, okay, well, I'm just going to watch this movie. You're not going to get everything to it. You know, there's layers yeah. to it, which is what I liked. Um, so I think if I, if, you know, listeners, you know, if that's something that people like, this is a very rewatchable film because of that. I think a lot of people will still will f- be watching it first and then go back to read more of the comments. But of course that's, the foot guy was the funniest, you know, of course. <laughs> Dude, P- Peter PP show feet is, uh, is a good one. So yeah, there is. Yeah. I think he, yeah, I think that's probably the top top character. So maybe we can do a spinoff with him. We did think about even casting, you know, at the end we have the faces. We're like, should we do a Peter PP? And now I'm like, man, maybe we should have, I'm not sure who that would have, would have been, but um, maybe it's better for him to remain mysterious. Like you're not sure who Peter PP is. I think so. Yeah. Put it into your imagination. Yeah. It can be any of us, any one of us walking the street. Um, so now that we're talking more about, you know, the Phantom and the, the toxic, uh, frat boys, the movie focuses a lot too on toxic fandom and what were kind of, you know, your inspirations or your thoughts of that going into it? Um, because in the short, there's, there's a bit of that as well. Yeah. Like if we're going to get thematically into it, it, I think, I think what's sometimes lost in these conversations with toxic personalities is that people are watching and enabling them. And if no one is watching, then, you know, there, there is no whatever Paul brothers or whatever reality TV show villain you want to talk about. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's watching and, and enabling that. And it's like, you know, I think it's, it's like a circle of like the characters are sometimes doing these crazy things, but they're, kind of doing it because the audience is egging it on and wanting to see it, whether it's just like a hate watch or whatever. So you kind of the circle of dehumanization going on. That's, you know, I think was really interesting to, um, to explore, you know, and like, what are it's yeah. Like, why are people, people watching this? And so I think that's, that's one thing going on. And then it's, I don't know, it's how responsible. So let's say you are, I don't have an answer to this, but if you do put your content out to the world, are you responsible for how it's interpreted? You know, it's a, it's a real question. Cause there's something with maybe when Chad um, was doing his Sheeha video, which is one of the most ridiculous things we could come up with of him, like riding a girl in a cowboy hat, which was super awkward and great to film. I mean, the actress told, I had to like prep her. I'm like, this is not good. This guy gets the ax and she was so cool. But um you know, I liked like, her at the end too. I liked her at the end where she, did you make enough? I made enough money. <laughs> yeah. We brought her back cause she was in the no, short right. and then I hit her up. I'm like, do you, would you want to come back for the feature? She's like, totally super cool. Um, Juliet Fessel. But, um, yeah, so we like, it, it was just like, let's say Chad had good intent. Let's just for the sake of argument, you know, but then if frat guys are, interpreting that is like, you know, in a really misogynistic way, what's, what is his responsibility for that? I'm not saying there's, there's an answer, you know, like what you were, you know what I mean? But it's, yeah, it is, it is interesting. And one thing 
that I tried to do in um, when outlining the story is kind of make sure that Chad's so-called support system in a way are worse than him. Like his cousin sucks and is probably just as bad, if not worse than him. The frat guys are even worse. Like it's kind of like reap what you sow. Like the frat guys were a super fun opportunity for me to kind of have these guys come in and he thinks he's saved and they suck so hard. And he has to like ride and hear, you know, how they're misinterpreting whatever he put out there. So I think that was one of our tactics for getting sympathy for Chad is just seeing these people around like his friends, he texts are just fucking with them. So, you know, um, it was getting that. And um, we had some subplots that we didn't shoot. I don't know if we got to or not, but we had a whole strange parent thing going on with Chad, but it seemed a little too much, a little too much to try to try to tackle. Maybe that we we're trying a little too hard. Um, but we did, I think in the script and we were shooting and Spencer maybe even did a, thing in one of the um the opening scenes spencer uh levin the actor playing chad but i think we had like a brother he was just trying to wish happy birthday to and a strange mom that wouldn't text him back so we had some extra layers of chad that we ultimately didn't think we needed in the final cut i felt like spencer did um such a good job portraying that part that i think the sympathy was there so i ultimately talked to the vfx guy and we we cut those parts out but um it's kind of a long answer, but yeah, um, toxic fandom bad. Yeah. And honestly, what I liked about it too is in a way they become the villain as well. His fans become the villains. Um, like when they call him, you know, very during a very pivotal moment and um, just basically to be dicks, you know, like <laughs> and having to, to, navigate that and deal with that and he's arguing with them you know for them to save him and they're all like fuck you you know like glad you're getting it um it was it was fun and we had the nine-on-one call moment was from the short and i loved it so much i'm like i'm not going to top this so i put that in and so then the feature it was what else can they do and it's like give him bad directions like prank call 911 and so they think it's all just a prank you know what i mean so it was kind of working to actively have a large portion of the audience like rooting against him and doing everything they could to get this get him get him killed get him axed yeah get him maxed <laughs> coming up with cool hashtags so tinder feelings swipe <laughs> right on my heart is available for purchase on amazon decided to register that you know we're gonna Put it out there. I, I just in case it goes viral, we decided to uh, to put put Tinder feelings out. I think it'd work really well for TikTok, like bad Tinder dates. Put Tinder feelings. Use that as your score. Can you talk about like some of the process of incorporating the music into the film? Because you also wrote Champ Chadpian too, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the worst song ever. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, for the short, yeah, I wrote the worst theme song ever, and uh, Mike uh, Nicholas are producer of the short and post producer of the feature was able to find um, somebody who knocked that out for us and did a, did a great job of better than a champ, better than a champ. You're a Chad, you're a Chad, you're a Chad being there. You go. That's the, it's the song. I'm, I think I'm going to branch off into music here. Um, so <laughs> we had that and Tinder feelings was kind of the same type of thing. Like what's a bad song. So Kimberton and I wrote kind of like a really bad um, song about, you know, swipe right on my heart so i left on your doubts all we need is wait our love to figure this out yeah it just was 
bad. And then for that, I was super happy. We went on, uh, do you know Fiverr? Yep. So yeah. we went on that and there was a um, super talented producer, um, composer and singer. We got to sign on and do it and he killed it, did an amazing job recording it. And um, initially, actually, so Cam can sing, the actor who plays um, Spencer can sing. So we we're going to have him do it, but just for budgetary reasons and logistics. We're like, well, this this voice sounds good, but um, and the guy was cool with it. We um gave him a little extra money for the vocal track and such. But his uh, condition was he didn't want his um his name on it because he's like an actual singer um doing well where he's from. And he didn't want like this to come up on his uh, Spotify track list. So um, I think <laughs> I don't know I think why. It, yeah, so it's credited by uh, I think we put Spencer Logan as the uh, like that's the character's name that that's the. Uh, <laughs> the singer of it but it's a catchy song it is a catchy song and it, it was in your head it was fun to have diegetic music in it and then also have it you know show up on amazon and i was very surprised about that yeah and then we have a um we have a score in it and um that was super fun I don't, did you notice the score i didn't actually so That's, i'll have to go back and it's a it's a compliment. So it it's there. And if you, well, actually, I think you've watched it enough. You've earned your shit. But um, <laughs> if you click around, what was so cool about that is um, the first cut didn't have a score because the short had no music. It was all diegetic. And um, uh, we played it and it just wasn't quite landing. And um, our uh, co-producer, Patrick Reardon, was really pushing for a score. And I was thinking like Halloween Scream, which are, don't be wrong, amazing scores, but just would take you out of it. And he's like, no, you just keep it natural. And so um, he hooked me up with this composer, Brian Deming, who like totally got it. And um, we're like, we want it to be organic. We want it to feel natural. So he went down to his basement and started dragging the axe on concrete. And that was the base of the, of, of the score. And it's, it started from a natural axe. It doesn't really start till uh, he spoiler, you know, faces off with Burslow and you hear that axe dragging sound. And then yeah. he, just made that more and more. He added some cricket sounds outside and stuff, but the scores all kind of based from organic tones. And um, so it kind of, even though it's non-diegetic, it's kind of diegetic and it's um, yeah, just this weird creepy drone that's, that's going on that really enhanced it. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's pretty unique because it was hard for us to even find examples of what we wanted him to do, but he just took it upon himself to make kind of a natural score that, yeah, was started with natural sound effects. And then by the end, is like this creepy drone um, undertone going on. It was super. That's great. amazing. Yeah, I did not. I'll have to go back definitely and and try to listen for that because I did not hear it. But I'll have to. I'll have to put my headphones. That's on. good. Like I said, that was yeah. he, the composer knew it. That was like our. It was like you shouldn't. Yeah, I think that was our instructions. Like you shouldn't even know it's there. It should feel full. Uh, it should feel so natural that you weren't even where there was a score. Cause you threw a Halloween or, or, or scream or, you know, like something awesome that works well for those, then, you know, you're, it's going to take you out of this like in world found footage movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's fantastic. And, and congratulations to him because he did, he nailed it. Like you, everybody nailed it, to be honest. Thank you. Um, now, Speaking of everybody nailing it, you worked, it looks like you worked with a tight knit crew. Um, how did they add to what you originally envisioned or wrote? Um, like just with the effects, with 
um, everything. It was um, on all levels. It was like a such a great, talented crew. And I think we talked about, you know, from the diegetic musicians who were nailing the songs or whatever form, like the in-world songs. But um, for instance, um, the murder house or whatever. Um, yes, yes. We, that was fun. Um, Kimmerton helped track that down. He was based in, well, he goes between Louisiana and Los Angeles. I'm Los Angeles based. So he went there and I wish he was here because he tells the story better than me. But um, he went to scout it for the first time. And um, it's this really kind of suspect place. It's in the middle of the city. So there's a super Kroger's right across from it. But apparently it's there's been so he gets there with the guy to show him and the guy like immediately like knocks really loudly on the door and he's like i'm coming in and i'm armed and then he pulls out a gun and cameron's like what's going on and he's like sorry there's been uh some people hanging out here and squatting here and apparently they're in a cult or something and cameron's kind of like well that's scary but also kind of perfect um and he checked it out apparently and there's some blood on the stairs that was actually really blood that. and like yeah but anyway lo long story short Kimberton's telling me all this so i'm excited to see the house for the first time and i fly in and i'm looking at it i'm like this is amazing and i'm like um you know this house is so trashed and it's exactly as i envisioned it and this cabinets perfectly here and there's even locks outside the door that's creepy and then there's a post already right where it needs to wooden post with a chain i'm like what are the odds and then reese rock the um, production designer's like i i built all this and i'm like oh yeah great i mean yeah so like he did i'm an idiot and he did yeah such a good job and already been spending two weeks realizing my vision and he was awesome and yeah everyone was okay with putting on multiple hats which is great like he was also our um our he helped with costume production design. He even was like our stunt driver. Um, a lot of people had a chance to be like, well, you know, other boroughs and stuff. So that the ax murderer. So that was, that was fun. And so, yeah, everyone was okay with just, I, I got to do a shout out to um, our, our audio supervisor, Brett. Um, we get there and we still hadn't figured out a good way to do video village. Cause the whole thing was shot on iPhones. Right. Mm -hmm. And wanted I wanted to walk for the short, it was so short. I'd literally would have Spencer do a take, then we could watch it together. But you know, this we wanted to get faster, and you can put adapters on your phone and stuff. But it starts making it really bulky, so we didn't want that. And so Brett was like, um, "What if you just do screen mirror and we get an Apple TV?" And I'm like, "That's crazy, but what if that worked?" So we got an Apple TV, set it up to a television, and we just turn on screen mirror, and we had an instant video village. And so we got to the point where we, um, we did have to bring a mini generator around the woods in the middle of Louisiana with an Apple TV and a monitor used to, to watch. And it was, um, it, it worked really well. I keep, we even made a behind the scenes video to send to Apple. I don't think they ever got it, but it was, you know, I can't like, we shot with the iPhones and it worked so well. So, and you know, um, I'm getting off track here, but anyway, that's, ev that's everyone, amazing though. yeah, yeah. Everyone did a lot of things and it was a super talented crew. The, the AD was down with doing extra slating and stuff like that or running around. Like it, it just was, everyone was really into doing whatever. And, the, and, and, you know, it goes all the way back, like from the actors I was saying, who were also having to help, help film. So I think everyone got, it was kind of an indie production and, um, you know, we knocked it out and we tried to, you know, um, within that we were doing, you know, um, we tried to keep it five day weeks, 10 hour days. So everyone could come in, give it 110% and then just, 
chill and not work crazy long overtime or not even do six day weeks. And yeah, so it was, it was, I was so lucky to have such a, such a good crew. How long did it take to film it? It's an interesting question because, um, my line producer, we were actually, that was the question, our premiere at film West. And he's like, Oh no, it took like, you know, like 12 shooting days. And it did, we got it done. Um, actually, or we finished a day or two early, which was kind of unheard of because we factored, we assumed more things were going to go wrong, but we were able to still kind of soldier through and was so dialed in. So it was like a two and a half week shoot there. But then, you know, like I shot for a few days in Los Angeles before and after, and then we had to shoot all the stuff with the cousin. We had to, so there's a lot of like extra stuff, just pickup shoots or whatever to get and just to complete all the media to not from the main shoot, but the main shoot was pretty smooth. And, you know, cause we didn't, it was pretty much a, we, we didn't do tons of lighting. We did some, you know, to give it the right look, but it had to be a general lighting setup for each scene. Cause we're shooting 360 all around um, long takes, obviously, you know, to keep that live stream feel going on. And I rehearsed with the actors tons and, you know, luckily was, once again, I keep saying working with such a great group, they just immediately were nailing it. And so, yeah, we were able to, when we were going, we were, we were going. And then, you know, I think, um, the swamp was, uh, was probably the most challenging <laughs> shoot because it was like 39 degrees. Um, oh my gosh. At a swamp. We're fighting. It's supposed to about, it's already drizzling. It's like supposed to be pouring rain. Um, and so, yeah, Tanisha would have like tin coats on and just try to warm up and then go and just give it an act like she's just bubbly and fine. Like, so such a trooper. And then, um, Camerton was the one who volunteered to be Burroughs in the swamp. So he's sitting in the swamp and like submerge himself. Like Tanisha and I are talking details, like well, where should he grab on the shoe? Like, should there be mud here? And Cameron's going, guys, I'm standing in a swamp right now. It's 40 degrees. Can we just shoot? So it was, um, it was fun, but everyone was like, gung-ho for and it and i think the shots worked out and it i think it was good to get out of the house and shoot something a little different so absolutely that was one of the the scares that did get me actually so i i knew yeah. i knew something was gonna be but i think just the way that it it was shot so quickly i think that really worked in that you the whole movie and i know i said this in my nightmarish conjurings thing um you know, because there's that whole Hitchcock quote of, you know, you show everybody the bomb, everybody's going to, you know, have all of these emotions. But if you show only the audience the bomb, you know, we're going to feel the tension, whereas the characters don't. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Um, but that's how this movie really felt is we as the audience kept seeing things that the characters were not seeing. And that added so much to the suspense and the tension of that. Uh, do you know, I know you did um, some sci-fi, but did you usually work in like suspense or, or like thrillers or things like that? No, I, you know, I did. I mean, you know, no and yes, there are like, there is a lot of, um, I worked on an MTV show called The Challenge, which is like a competition show. But point being, there's a lot of like countdown pictures, like Survivor, except with like younger MTV people and then also more drinking and partying or whatever, but they're still doing these actiony challenges. Right. And that kind of did help with pay, pacing and tension of like lingering on those shots and stuff and making sure the, um, the moment hits. Right. So I had that as a, as a background, but no, I wanted to make sure I, um, I got that part right. 
And so one thing, especially with the um, features, I made sure to go back and watch, you know, your Blair Witch, your Grave Encounters, Paranormal Activity, and see what they're doing that worked for me, what what scared me. And there's just a lot of cool shots and stuff in that that inspired me. And um, another thing that was important for that is what I realized is um, you can't rely on a score on Paranormal Activity or grave encounters the found footage so i'm like what are they doing for the jump scares and i'm like okay we need someone to like you know water is good and break it water you know like axe is good you know like we have to have those hard hits to make the um make the sound effect land and then yeah i think it's just about um letting the shots go longer than you think they need to be and even that i'm still learning i just shot another proof of concept horror short and i got back and i'm like still was like fuck, I should have shot this longer. You know, so it's like really, <laughs> really as a director, I'm trying to get better at making sure I hold on those shots. And, you know, and you got to figure out when to break away from the tension, not to go back to this focus group thing too much, but there was one or two things where the, the gin scare, they're like, I don't know if they actually noted that, but they're like, we wish there's a little more buildup to some of the scares. And that was something. So originally with the, the gin scare, she actually, gets a call from uh, Spencer and he makes it. It's a pretty funny joke about like, we could do a song with your cat. Like I need you write me out. Like it was just, it, and it played funny, but it was so undercutting the tension. She just heard this sound. That's like, okay, we don't, we don't want that there. But then sometimes for instance, not to go through, you know, there's a professor Pat hot wiring a car was like the perfect let's get people calm and comedy. So yeah, I, I didn't have tons of experience. Experience, but I tried to make sure to do the research and I have quite a lot of experience with, with editing. Um, that's kind of my main thing. So I knew to kind of try to drag out those things, build up the tension. Um, I am sad you didn't get a chance to see it in a theater. I don't want to under, cause it's only available on streaming now, but, um, it was when you have that five, one sound going and that like, it's, it was, um, it, it was amazing. And, um, it actually changed my whole perspective on theaters even though i'm i've been a theater goer you know but i've never been like avid i'll go to a movie like once a month um but now i get it uh you know christopher noel you know i'm like okay i see it because it's like it is even more awesome in the theater um but if you're listening to this it still plays really well on a tv it's even it more disconcerting on a phone because i think it feels more real um if you want to put headphones you get better sound so uh, it's not not um oppenheimer here you can you can watch it on, on streaming or a phone but yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, and it was funny. I'm just going to say this real quick. I'm just going to ask, um, cause you're talking about MTV and some of the mo uh, uh, things that you were working on. Um, did you ever get to see um, a show back? Cause I'm also an older millennial called MTV's fear. And that was oh. very going yeah. into, yeah. <laughs> My, um, my, my neighbor, when I moved in to my apartment in college was, was on that. So, um, really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, that was, that show was wild. And I was like, was it? And she was like, no, I felt a good, like, cause I was like, no, this is stay. And I, I think they cast the right people who are susceptible, you know, like yeah, yeah. everyone's different on that stuff. Like Eric, um, Eric Gibson, our, our producer is, um, a little more, uh, I don't want to say scare, but he, he was not having like, I'm not going to go to the murder house. We're shooting at it at 2am, but my mind is still on directing. I've literally a couple times went and scouted it like by myself with a flashlight 
And uh, I'm like, Kimberton, just meet me. He's like, you want me to meet you at the murder house at one thirty in the morning? And I'm like, yeah, why not? Like, he's like, I don't know. But um, yeah, fear. did you, uh, were you a fan of fear back in the I day? I was such a fan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that show was cool. That was. And it's funny that you said that too, because um, my dad <clears throat> used to work um, for PandaVision and there was a couple of times in Detroit, they would be in a, like an abandoned warehouse and stuff. And even the security guards would be like, you know what? I quit. Like too, it's too weird. It's too creepy. You know, and it's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I get scared. I, I, I still get scared of certain, certain things, but I think it's just, yeah, I've, I've issues and I get when it's directing, it's like my mind is so focused. I forget to be, scared because i'm just thinking about the the movie so much and not and the, the, the house could have been a murder house you found real yeah. blood there's real blood and there are people there and i'm going to yeah so i'm, I'm not the smartest person yeah I, i'm not saying eric and kimberton are wrong i think they're right i think i'm the one who's um not scared enough all right so i heard through whispers and by whispers i mean through your instagram uh that you brought one of the props home Yes. Yeah. The dead bodies. Um, we have, it's been a back and forth. So we, um, how do you fly a dead body is a good question that my, um, my parents actually live in Shreveport where we shot the movie. So my dad figured it out, um, and bought a giant duffel bag. We put a dead body in it and we show up at the airport and they're like, what's in that? And I'm like, a dead body like ha 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 and they're like scanning it and they're like giving me this sideline and they're like all right what like so we flew it all the way back to los angeles um for a while we now have um two uh i had two dead bodies because i bought one uh for the short as well my wife was just you know thrilled that we're uh <laughs> these props You're collecting but, dead bodies <laughs> yeah um so no they we put it out took pictures and stuff and um Right now, it is back in Shreveport because another friend used it for a movie. And we're in the process of cutting it up and uh, sending body parts of it to uh, influencers for unboxings to help promote the movie. So that <laughs> That's amazing. We're giving, yeah, we're really trying to maximize, use every part of the, uh, the dead body um, and let none of it go to waste. So You should have a Patreon and the more you spend, the better the the body piece. Yeah, you get the ribs if you put enough in or the head. Yeah, I think I'm going to keep the head. For myself, I was talking to Reese, uh, and I'm going to, you know, like Futurama, like the head jars or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, that's what I was thinking. And, and my wife actually surprisingly is on board with that. She's like, okay, that was stylish. So. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a whole dead body. It's just the the head. Yeah, you just know, the it's... head. So the body, yeah, the whole one was a little excessive. So. Yeah. So, all right, last couple questions. How do people go and buy Chad Gets the Axe or how do they fi find like updates? Is there, sure. I know there's the Instagram, but what else is there? We got a lot. We tried it. We got a Chad Gets the Axe Instagram at Chad Gets the Axe. We have um, ChadGetsTheAxe.com, which is nice. It will give you the link tree of all the places to get it. We have a Facebook if you're elder millennial or parents or whatever you are who still uses that. Um, we got... We got that. Um, we have a TikTok that I've been working with the um, with the uh, Spencer's uh, girlfriend is very she, she's kind of helping with our social media manager. So we have a TikTok. We're doing all kinds of fun stuff. Um, a Chad gets the axe TikTok. Uh, you can follow me at the Travis Bible on Instagram and um, 
I guess most importantly, if you, you know, the link tree is everywhere, tagitx.com, but it is available on just as a download or rent or purchase on Amazon, Apple, Google, Voodoo, I think even YouTube, yeah, all the, any place you can, I uh, think even Vimeo, any place you can pay or download, it's, it's there. So yeah, I would, um, we're indie film. So it's literally every, every download helps. Every review helps. If you want to rate us on, I guess if you hated it, you don't have to, but even then go for it. But <laughs> I get a good body part then. Yeah. You'll get a bad, you're going to, you're only going to get like a toe. If you give us a, you get a one stinky star. old toe. Yeah. But, um, all that stuff helps that with a movie of our, our level, um, to help kind of hopefully make it match with the algorithm and get it to a, to a wider audience. Cause it's, at this point, I just, you know, hope as many people get a chance to, to check it out as, as possible. And last question, what are you working on next? Um, I do have a, a couple of projects, but um, I am finishing up uh, visual effects and post-productions for a short about a demon that wipes people out of existence at a laser tag match. And um it's going to be fun. It's a little more horror. It's not shot on phones, um, but it's actually proof of concept for a, a feature script I have, but I'm incapable of just kind of sitting for a year or two. So I had to shoot something. So we, um, you know, made a, a shorter version. So yeah, that's, I would say that's the main thing in this, this space I'm, I'm working on and I'm, you know, super excited about that and hopefully getting that out there uh, next year. That would be amazing. So I appreciate you coming here. I appreciate you talking with us. Um, I feel a little less angry now that we've kind of talked about everything and good. You know, I feel calmer. Work through the work through these these feelings of resentment for for Chad getting the axe or whatever. You know, but, yeah, I feel like we're at a good place now, so I can finally give you a good review. Good, so. I appreciate that, and it was great being on here. And yeah, um, you know, I'm, I like I said, that was a. Uh, I think your review was the the first one and it was very entertaining um so very well written and you know it, it didn't hurt that you ended up liking the movie don't get me wrong but um yeah <laughs> that it's was so an aside to... yeah. <laughs> all right thank you so much thanks